Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, and welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm, and on this episode, we're going to do some games of late. We're going to have a look at what's trending, what's new, what's on the crowdfunding scene, and the topic of this episode is the rise of the RPGs. And as guests, my D&D group from the 90s. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by... Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. Hey, and welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's get into some games of late. And lately, uh, I've been playing a couple games that I uh, uh, I purchased with my uh, Christmas um, uh, presents. And um, what I the first game I want to talk about is a game called Obsession, which came out in 2018. And uh, designed by Dan Halligan and published by Kenta Games. I hope I said that right. I'm so sorry if I didn't say it right. Um, and uh, the the theme. Now here's the here's the interesting thing um, about the theme of the game. I've never been attracted to this theme in regards to watching film, cinema, TV. You know that whole kind of media. Uh, but boy, did this game intrigue me from a board game point of view. And this is a game. Um, that is um, is kind of I I I use the phrase Downton Abbey esque or uh, what's the new one uh, Bridgerton and uh, you're basically playing um, you know old English 1800s kind of thing um, but it's the class system where your families are trying to uh, you know uh, have uh, have their uh, their youngsters um, uh, interact and and. Uh, be married off with other families. Um, I, you know, I, I could be absolutely wrong because like I said, this isn't a, a theme that I'm usually into, but what attracted me the most to this game were all the positive reviews in the, wait for it, in this solo version. So uh, I, I had to, I had to track this down and this was kind of one of those unicorn hunts because this is a difficult copy to find, but I did find it. And uh, what we're talking here is basically a card drafting game, uh, kind of a, a, a like a, I would say, bag not bag builder, but it's you're 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 pulling you're pulling random um, um, events out of the bag. Now, how the game works is your family in um, what let's say here uh, in nineteenth century Victorian England, and you're trying to uh, have your families. Uh, wealth and prestige and fortunes uh, uh, turn to the better. And how you do that is by attending uh, events or hosting events that attract the 
proper crowd that elevates your prestige and your, and your uh, influence in, in all the families. Now, it's kind of asymmetrical because each, you know, the family that you start off with has a different starting point. Not so much that it's just like completely, you know, you know, root the Victorian era game. No, that's not what we're going on here. Um, but, oh, that would be kind of cool. Um, but what you're doing is uh, it's, it's um, you have a, your own tableau of, let's say, your household. And in this household, you have, because it's Victorian England, you have servants, you have attendants, you have people that assist in the functioning of these events. So when it's your turn, you go through this, like a good euro, you go through this recipe list of what you need to do. So you need to, and here's the cool thing about the, the I would say kind of worker placement, but it's not worker placement, it's recipe building maybe. Um, is that you have, as I said, a butler, a footman, a, 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 a maid, right? You have a household that takes care of the household. And when these events happen, sometimes it doesn't require any uh, assistance. Uh, sometimes it does require assistance. Uh, sometimes the attendees to these events require assistance. Sometimes they don't. So you have to manage the resources of these um, this, this small workforce, worker placement, into these events, because here's the cool, here's the cool part is, um, once you use one of your assistant servants' household, um, they, it takes them time to, to get back into their ability to be present for another event or to assist another person. Um, I think that is uh, a pretty cool, because it helps you manage, I mean, that's, that's, those are your resources, is the, is the household system. And uh, uh, yeah, it's very cool because what happens too is as you, as you make money doing these events or you gain prestige or fortune, you have the ability to access higher level tile events that kind of drop into this typical marketplace from a bag, the bag builder point of view. And there are five different domains that you are able to um, uh, develop and increase in regards to these events. Uh, some are social, some are, uh, you know, nature, um, but it's, it's that type of Euro where there's all these different tracks, levels, um, metrics that contribute to a really cool engine. And I think that they did a really good job uh, connecting the, the thematic elements with the mechanistic elements. Is that a real word? I just made it up. Um, so, yeah, I think it integrated very well, very seamlessly for me to be able to immerse myself into the game, like the functioning and the system of the game, and also um, very cleverly kind of creating my own narrative because of the, the flavor text on all these cards is uh, uh, well written in regards to the relationship with the with the action of the card, right? Um, so I thought that was a, I thought that was uh, a, a nice element, a, a, you know, a consideration of, of making an effort to connect these two together. So well done. Uh, obsession, um, difficult to find, but if you can find it, absolutely give it a try. Or, uh, or if you have a friend that has it, ask to borrow it because I think you'll be cleverly entertained and you'll have fun with it so yeah obsession 
designed by Dan Halligan and uh, published by, I'm going to try it one more time, Kanta Games. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Uh, All right. So moving on, we are going to go to a game that I never thought I would... uh, I would I would be attracted to, but I was because of of uh, I think I think Rado did a review on this or did sort of like a um, this is what I did this we played this month kind of thing. But uh, it immediately caught my attention because of the fact that I love the kind of sieve building or um, like like map growing or you know community growing. And this game is Fayum designed by Friedman Fries and published by uh, this copy, I believe, came from Rio Grande Games. I just have to take a quick look. Sorry about that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it... Uh, now, my my original uh, introduction to Friedman Fries is Power Grid, you know, like most people. And uh, what uh, what pleasantly attracted me to this game is... The theme now, Fayum is uh, um, was actually was uh, artificially built in about uh, 4000 BC by the Egyptians. So this is yeah, thematically speaking, this is uh, an Egyptian empire building game, and uh, the the specificness to this theme is that they turned a area in Egypt that was not an agricultural area into an agricultural area, I believe that still exists today, uh, with the canal systems, with uh, proper, with with all. And again, for those who don't know, I teach social studies and history at high school, and you know, psychology and all those ologies. But uh, this, um, the fact that this takes a <laughs> historical uh, event, um, achievement, and puts it into an aspect that. Uh, is an interesting simulation. Um, you and like I said, you start off with this peninsula that uh, has potentials for uh, wheat, potentials for uh, grape and wine, and potentials for um, uh, like stone and quarry. And uh, you uh, also within this potential because of everybody, everybody knows ancient Egypt. The, the the greatest resource they had were the people. So you are developing villages as well, and in these villages, you're attempting to connect them by roads, and what this, because, well, let's get back to this game on, uh, what are you doing? How do you win? It's all about, it's Euro. It's all about the victory points, and in this, in this part of the victory point system, it's um, mostly your, uh, um, your uh, I, I would say, fame with the pharaoh. I don't, I, I, I can't specifically remember what the points are called, but Every time you do something, it's to honor the pharaoh. 
and you go up this track. And every, if you build a city, ooh, you go up, you know, four points of honor. Um, so you're trying to do that. You're trying to build. You're trying to expand. You're trying to bring prosperity to the Egyptian empire. From a thematic point of view, awesome. It was so cool. From a, from a game mechanics point of view, there were a couple cool things that I thought, wow, this, this, has, this has got me um, thinking deeper in regards to every action that I'm, I'm doing in the game. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, but I'll talk about it, I'm just going to have a quick sip here. I, you know, I should put like a little sound cue in there, like ding, 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 coffee break. Um, and uh, so the first thing is the market. Now the market um, is, uh, okay, I'll back up. The game timer is, it's Friedman Freeze, deck of cards, right? So you, you have to go through a deck of cards. That's the timer of the game. Now you have this market, which is cleverly, I, I don't think I've seen this before in any other games, but it's a, it's a, kind of picture this in your mind. On one end of the board, you have a map. On one end of the board, you have a market of eight cards. Take those eight slots, split them up, four on the left, four on the right. The four on the left have um, costs to them, as every market does, you know, three, five, seven, nine, that kind of system. I think that's exactly what it has in this game. And then the four on the right are cards that will eventually get into the market. Now, this is the coolest part. Friedman Freeze, on this huge deck of cards, there's a numbering system. When these cards come out, even when you're replenishing the market, you have to respect the chronology of the cards. So let's say in the first four, you've got cards between the ranges of 14 and 50, and all of a sudden you take, you know, the second card in that. You don't initially replace it in that same spot. You pull a card and go, oh, this one's 102. Well, it event, you know, in in the system, 102 is the is the last slot, is the eighth slot. So everything pushes down. Or it could be 11, which means that the first slot pushes back to the second slot, and this becomes the first card. So, if you're eyeballing a card that is in the potential market, you might have to wait a while because that it's all about the randomness of the replenishing. Of the card market that's the i thought that was so cool here's the other really cool part um it's a deck builder right and then deck builders the, i mean dominion the 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 you know standing on the shoulders of dominion um everybody has to put a different angle on it just to you know be clever because being clever is good um but this one what i thought was very clever is as you're playing these cards down into your discard pile uh you you it's untouchable discard pile, meaning that you can't rearrange the order of these cards as they drop. Uh, at the end of your turn, or, or at the moment where you have to pass because you have no cards in your hand, uh, you go through this, again, this nice recipe system of you do this first, you reset this first, you reset this first. Uh, in the market, you, there, uh, at least in the solo game, I get to take two cards out of the, the left side market and replenish them following the same rules of, of market replenishment. Uh, and then, but when it comes to it, picking up my hand, I don't just grab five cards. I take the top three cards, and I believe in um, a multiplayer game that for each card after that that I want to put into my hand, I have to pay 
uh, one, one cost. I think it's, I forget what the denomination is, but I'll just say gold, okay? I've paid one gold. Now, in the solo game, uh, to create, uh, again, they must have play tested this and figured out a great balance. Um, the first one cost me one. The second one cost me two. The third one cost me three. So if I want to get to a five-card hand, I better have the, the monetary resources in order to put those actions into my hand. Uh, what I've noticed as the game gets going on is you, you have to plan at what point you're just going to lose these cards to your discard pile because it's going to cost way too much to go and dig them up. So you have to, in accordance to this strategy or tactics that you're running with your hand, you have to synergistically plan what's going on in the market because you might have to tactically completely change what's going on with, uh, with, with how your card, with your hand draw is. So um, now all of that learning uh, in, the, in the first few games uh, showed me that I suck at this game because when it came to the end, I, I was scrambling to like stay in the game. So uh, yes, that tells me, wow, this has got more than what I thought. So I'm very happy with, uh, I'm very happy with what Friedman Freeze came out with in Fayum. Hi. If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing, please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for board game podcasts. And if you have the time, check out our new YouTube channel where we have new content every few days. Just search Bridge City Board Gamers on YouTube. Thanks, eh? Hey there, welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's have a look at what's trending, what's new, and what's on the crowdfunding scene. So, according to BGG, um, uh, what's currently trending is uh, Merchants of the Dark Road, a 2022 release. Uh, Brave the peril of the dark road traveling between cities to earn fame and fortune. So, this is designed by Brian uh, Sewer and uh, published by Elf Creek Great Games. I apologize if I've made mistakes in the pronunciation of either of those. And uh, so, new to me now, uh, or trending, what I like to do is I, I'm going to always go into uh, reading the description that's, that was created by the publisher because that's how they're trying to communicate and sell this game to me. Just consider it a movie trailer. So, after half a year of daylight... We must now prepare for the dark season. The roads will be treacherous, but they will still need to be braved by a select few in order to keep our cities thriving. In Merchants of the Dark Road, you are one of the brave few merchants that travel the dangerous paths between cities. While the job is perilous, fame and fortune await. Discover the capital city where most of your actions will take place using a Rondell action system. Collect and produce items to add to your caravan or sell these items to local heroes and hire them to travel with you. Manipulate the market prices of items, visit the back alley sellers, or delve a nearby dungeon for magical items to gain the potential for even more coin and notoriety. 
Gather lanterns to ease your passage along the dark roads as you guide your caravan to distant villages. Deliver goods and heroes to the best destinations and gain fame for your bravery. Balance the money you earn with the height of your fame because your final score after a number of game rounds will reflect the lowest of these two values. After all, what good is a purse full of the coin if the people don't sing songs about you? And what good is a song without an empty mug of ale? Well, you know what? I am interested. This sounds so cool. Um, again, interesting tie-in to the, uh, to the topic of, of uh, today's episode is the rise of RPGs. This has, uh, this, this is, to me, this is a hybridized uh, tabletop RPG uh, and Euro um, because uh, it says that you've got dice rolling, you've got hidden victory points, you've got contract fulfillment. Um, there's, I mean, right there, all of those items to me sound like a very interesting. Um, now, again, um, I'm just going to have a quick look at the table presence of this said game. And um, yeah, it's kind of cool. It, uh, well, the first thing that draws me in is you've got kind of the, the boards kind of laid out like a, a, a village. And uh, on these villages, you have tiles. And in my head right away, I'm thinking, well, there's some variability if, in fact, they have a good, let's say, uh, database <laughs> or a thick deck of tiles and cards. And uh, your, um, I see some really cool player boards with uh, uh, dice rolling and dice placement into, uh, into aspect spots. So, yeah, at least for me, uh, it is uh, hitting all the right notes. And uh, let's see here. So <laughs> I just quickly looked at some of the details. Uh, one to four players. So solo, yeah, yay. There's a big check mark. Uh, 60 to 120 minute playtime. Now I'm thinking if uh, I'm doing solo with my experience of other games, uh, solo you could take uh, 60 minutes and and you know basically just fall on the on the short side of that, and that would probably be a good solo game. And it says age 12 plus, so I could probably <laughs> I could probably get my kids into this game. So yeah, Merchants of the Dark Road by uh, Elf Creek Games. Nice, nice. All right then, let's have a look at what is new. And uh, let's start with the publisher. This is coming out from Dragon Dawn Productions. It's designed by Lee. G. Broderick, and the game's called, I'm going to take my shot at this because I've, I've never never uh, seen this word, but I know about the uh, location. Uh, May Show, an Orkney saga. Uh, and as always, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some reading here because I've not really done any homework on this, but I am intrigued because before I even get into it, uh, an Orkney saga. If anybody does not know, again, uh, social studies teacher here, uh, the Orkney Islands are those islands that are north of Scotland and south of the Shetland Islands. Um, and the unique connection I have with the Orkney Islands is that my wife's grandfather was born in the Orkney Islands. And on our honeymoon, we went to Scotland and we had the opportunity to go to said Orkney Islands. And the most, uh, I mean, I was... I was having so much. This was awesome. I mean, for me to actually uh, go and experience this level of history because 
we went to, I'm going to try to pronounce it properly, we went to Scarabre, um, or Scarabre for um, us non-properly pronunciation type people. Um, and uh, 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 Scarabre was, or is, one of the oldest uh, um, sites of community, like people actually living in pit houses and the other unique experience was going to a Viking site. Uh, and it, what floored me was you only read about this in like Indiana Jones type of novels where this Viking burial site uh, was so unique that I think it was, I think it's at a certain solstice um, where the line of the, of the, the sun's rays would enter the tome and hit the back wall of this uh, crypt, and uh, it was it was awesome. I was just I I had such a uh, grin on my face for experiencing this level of history. So th- immediately when I was you know doing some homework for getting ready for the show, I saw this and went, oh, awesome! And interestingly enough, I believe on the box cover is uh, a representation of that kind of idea. So let's get into the explanation of this, the description of this game, uh, because I want to know a little bit more about it. And um, so here, according to the Orkneyinga saga, Earl Rogdvald Kali Colson <laughs> broke into the chamber tome of Maisho on Orkney in uh, 1150 A.D. and a 1153 A.D., uh, Earl Harlson Madison and a group of his men sheltered there during a snowstorm. The sagas tell us that Rogenwald found treasure and there uh, found treasure there, and two uh, of Harold's men went mad. Alone, uh, alone, or with a friend, players will on their turn need to play one card to the row and discard one. Managing their hand of five cards, players need to make tough calls on what to play while carefully managing the resources of health, food, and cards left in their draw deck. The players will find themselves, uh, uh, will free themselves from the tomb of Show once they've removed enough rubble blocking their escape. By playing a set of four uh, excavation cards to the row, the players are able to remove rubble. The timing of when to start a set of excavation cards will be crucial since a row of less than four will result in those cards being lo- uh, lost, uh, decreasing, player cha- decreasing players' chances of survival. If the player ever finds themselves having zero health or having run out of cards in their draw deck, they have lost, and their dead bodies will be found in the tome of Maisho by archaeologists hundreds of years later. Um, yeah, that kind of sounds cool. I'll have to do a little bit more homework because um, there's just, uh, you know, it's, it's not clicking as much as it did the other one, but it, it intrigues me. It intrigues me nonetheless. Let's, let's have a quick little look. So um, it obviously... Uh, looks like, well, let's back up a bit here. As far as the uh, uh, mechanisms go, uh, cooperative game, hand management, push your luck, set collecting. Um, Yeah, all of that. I mean, the push your luck's kind of cool to the point where um, you end the game as a uh, artifact in said tomb. 
So that's kind of, you know, intri- intriguing thematically. Uh, yeah. So that is May Show and Orkney Saga. Now, this last title could have been mentioned in the trending just as much as it can be mentioned in the crowdfunding. And that is Rise of the Necromancers. And uh, I believe from the crowdfunding point of view, there was a little start and stop, a little, I'm not going to get too deep into the politics of that, but um, everybody's happy now because it is trending and it is, uh, as I said, uh, uh, back on the crowdfunding scene. Um, So what is it and who is it by? So uh, this is designed by uh, Thorbjorn Christensen and uh, Christopher Keist. And it's published by Mood Publishing Mythic Games. Uh, And there's a whole, you know, uh, kind of other catalog of publishers behind it. But um, it is a area majority, area influence, dice rolling, variable uh, variable player powers, um, as it's kind of listing in the mechanisms. And uh, just a quick little, uh, a little kind of a flavor uh, uh, description here. Are you evil? Maybe just a little. Okay, I, I'm in for. Uh, I'll keep reading. <laughs> then unleash your most wretched forces and seize power to become the necromancer king. You have to master dark magic, raise an army of undead minions, explore festering jun- dungeons, and research ancient artifacts and spells. Um, okay. Well, as far as the theme goes, you've got my interest. Um, as far as the rest of it goes, um, it's, uh, now again, right away, I'm kind of not going to pay too much attention, but that's personal because the first thing I see is it's a two to five player game. So can't solo it. So, uh, so for me, that would be an immediate, you know, not get it, push it out of my sight line, but put it in the periphery because, um, uh, I, we're still in a pandemic, and uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to focus on the solo stuff. But does not say that this is not a good game. Uh, there's a lot of attention to it. Obviously, it's trending, and um, it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those games that the theme. Um, I'm going to have a quick look at some images here. It's got some interesting area control, area influence, and. Uh, the theme intrigues me, and I, it's um, the, an area influence, area control game with a uh, f- high fantasy theme. Hmm, yeah, because typical area control area influences battles, right? There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of military power, a lot of this. Now this one is magical presence, magical uh, uh, features and powers. So. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this interfaces with the how the theme interfaces with the mechanisms of the game. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, Rise of the Necromancers. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that on my on my radar. This episode is supported by the incredible team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team to ensure their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Board Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. 
Um, on this uh, topic episode, we're going to go into uh, tabletop role-playing games, TTRPGs, and um, uh, <laughs> little bling. Oh, that's a that's a that's a good set of letters there. Um, uh, and uh, the mo I think the the one thing, and I had mentioned this to you guys before we started recording. Um, the, the, if you want to have a positive perspective about what this pandemic has done to everybody socially, I think the one positive thing that you could pull out is uh, that there's been a resurgence in uh, role play games because of uh, all this video conferencing software. And I know beforehand that a lot of the hardcores would use this as a means to actually, you know, uh, play uh, uh, um, uh, role play games. And uh, but this, this to me is is one of those. Uh, if you're if you're really reaching for something positive, to me that was this was the one of the important ones. And I'm so happy to have on uh, uh, to talk about this. Um, my uh, my D and D group, my, my Thursday night game group, and uh, I'm going to go around the table and introduce them and have them talk about uh, um, what they're doing now. Because uh, at least for us, uh, I've noticed that uh, creative people. Um, come to this game, this role-playing collaborative narrative, like moths to a flame. So, uh, you know what? Let's start with uh, Jonathan, my friend Jonathan Ryder. And these, just to preface this, um, these aren't just people that I've met in the in a year. Um, we've uh, we've played uh, um, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, uh, a, uh, was it advanced AD and D second edition back mm -hmm. in the '90s when there was Thaco? <laughs> when we really had to do math. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Jonathan Ryder, welcome. Hi. So, uh, yeah. Oh, well, I guess I introduced you already, so you don't have to introduce yourself. Um, so, yeah. What do we do? Okay, so we've all, I think the, the common thread with all of us here is theater. Um, and uh, you and I have acted on stage together and acted like idiots off stage. So uh, what are you doing now as a career? Uh, well, I live out in, in uh, Vancouver, BC now. Um, I you know, went to school with you guys in uh, University uh, of Saskatchewan, as you guys know. Yeah. Uh, Ian was uh, actually one of our instructors at the time. Yeah. Norma, you and I, you know, I, uh, were together uh, there as students. Um, I, was a, I think I was a year or two ahead of you in, mm -hmm. in that chronologically. We used to play D and D back then, and uh, just a little, you know. My my uh, young brother came at, uh, after we'd been playing for a few years in the '90s. My younger brother came to Saskatoon to start university. He was like ten years, eleven years younger than me, and he played his first D and D session with us, with our group. Yeah. Uh, and then he went. He's gone on and he's played D and D through his adult life a lot, and he's quite uh, quite experienced at it now. Um, so what am I doing now? I'm, uh, the production director for, uh, the Bard on the Beach Shakespeare Festival, um, which takes place in Vanier Park, Sanok, um, in Vancouver on the coast. So that's my, that's my, where I make my living and, uh, hadn't played D and D for since the nineties, uh, until <laughs> during the pandemic, what happened first was my, my brother, Nick. Uh, who uh, has been a, a player and a DM for many years, ever since he first played with us in the 90s. He said, hey, um, my, my, my two of my nephews are his, his, his boys. He said, my, uh, I, was, I was back in Saskatoon to, uh, to actually to see, um, to go to Henry Wolf's uh, uh, celebration of yeah. his 90th birthday and dedication of the wing to him and, and while at the, the theater uh, to him. 
And uh, at that time, my brother Nick was running a D&D game with his, with his sons. And this was just pre-pandemic. And so he said, hey, you want to come over and play? So I went over and played a game on a Sunday with them, rolled up a character. Yeah. And uh, that group has been playing ever since. I came came home and we he said and and the and we said let's just let's get on Zoom and start playing playing. And the pandemic hit and they, they said well, we're going to keep playing on Zoom and the boys went off to university and we've just kept playing and that was in 2020. So that got me back into it. And then uh, about a year ago, I think Norm, yeah. you were saying, hey, 90s buddies, um, OG RPG, yeah, yeah. And so uh, that you invited us to see, to see if we wanted to get together and play. I hadn't seen you for many years, oh. uh, you know, a couple of times. I saw you last year when I was there. And, uh, and so, yeah, I was just excited to join. And then uh, to hearing that Tim, Tim was going to be playing too. I hadn't seen Tim for so many years. And, yeah. and Ian and I always love an excuse to spend time together. So yeah, it's just been awesome. Uh, and forgot how much I loved it. And I think I love the game more now than I did even back then. Right on. Okay, well, you mentioned the other two that uh, are just kind of waiting to chit-chat. Let's go straight to Ian, because Tim Tim has an interesting um, way of jumping into this this uh, this collective. Um, Ian has been mentioned, Ian Rose, that... Uh, uh, now, here's the first thing that I want to confirm with you is um, University of Saskatchewan <coughs> Drama Department. I remember it being kind of whispers in the, in, in the background that we are the oldest uh, drama department in the Commonwealth. University, is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, it was our 75th anniversary year last year. Um, I think 1946 it was established. Um, a gentleman called Amherst Jones back then. Um, and, and of course, um, there ha- there's been, um, I guess, how would you call it? Um, there's been theater at university for a very, very long time, but usually mm-hmm. um, the theater aspect of it is usually an adjunct of, of the English department. Yeah. You know, kind of like a club, the drama club or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, uh, after World War II, this gentleman was able to, to, uh, um, to, to pitch to the powers that be um, that, that uh, they create an actual standalone department of drama. And, and yeah, it's, uh, that's kind of the, the claim to fame of the department of drama, that it's the oldest one in the British Commonwealth, believe it or not. Um, which is, uh, which is really, uh, which is really awesome. So hopefully that'll last for a little while longer. And the, um, um, sorry, just to quickly punch in here, uh, the connection with the wartime is that the old drama building was called the hangar because wasn't it like an, like an airplane hangar or something like that? Yeah, it actually was a full on aircraft hangar that was actually brought to the U of S campus. I think it was brought on it. Um, some people say it was brought from Vanscoy, but I think it was actually brought from Manitoba and then it was rebuilt. Um, uh, and if you know the, the, uh, the U.S. campus at all, it was in, uh, in the corner of the parking lot where the, um, the kinesiology building, um, now sits and kind of the funny thing about that building was taken over the arts all again. Of course, (laughs) of course. (laughs) I just wish that we had a little bit of that, um, um, uh, that sports budget for the draft <laughs> department that, you know, that would be just great, but you know how it is in theater um, and, and the arts, we're always struggling. We're always uh, impoverished and all of that. Right Now you haven't told us yet what you do, your function there. Cause we, like Jonathan said, we were the students and you were, you were part of the team. 
And what are you uh, doing yeah. now? Now, because um, it's like well, um, that was kind of like my uh, um, my my story is a little bit funny because I never uh, I never intended to really end up there. I was actually on my way to the military, and uh, and and while I was waiting to be shipped off to Cornwallis, Nova Scotia, um, all of a sudden there was a work program there, and and uh, even in high school I, I'd never done theater. Um, which was uh, which was kind of funny because my brother, uh, who's two years older than myself, um, was the theater guy at our high school. Um, they did a um, they did a uh, a performance of a play called um, Scapino, which is based on, on Scapan. It's kind of like a um, a musical version of Hamlet, and they actually took this play in high school to the provincial high school theater festival and this would have geez been back in the early early 80s and uh, and my brother wins <laughs> most promising young actor right and um and so it was a little bit of a twist of faith that the other brother myself ends up working in theater and, and my, a good career too <laughs> yeah my older brother ends up um in kind of business he manages <laughs> and all of that kind of thing but anyway it was a little bit unfair I thought but in hindsight I couldn't have had it any other way because um every day that I go to work is just a, a whole lot of fun and um I had the opportunity of working in the film industry for about 11 seasons yeah. or so and um uh, I kind of like winning the lottery um, yeah so that's what I, I would advise everybody to do to do is find what you you really enjoy and um and do that for a living because then every day is going to be uh not like work because <laughs> when i got to university I, I had just uh um come off the road with you know being a rock and roll guy and thinking i need a new intelligent way and then went to the drama department to look at the stagecraft side and that's where i met you and jonathan and so yeah you were working in the stagecraft area and uh, have developed into um, teaching. Uh, well, first of all, you were interested in the in the fight combat because if I recall, a lot of the D and D sessions before we started, you'd come back from Hapkido or something, and you'd be like, <laughs> "Norm, come here. Hey, take a swing at me." And I I would just think to myself, "Hey, I'm a little brother. I got two older brothers. Okay, I have to because if I don't, you're going to torment me until I do." So, and I would take a swing, and you'd do some like lock hold on me, and I would feel things pop, and I'd be like, "Okay, can we play now?" Um, but you took that passion all the way to being like a, a like a, a fight instructor. Yeah, um, I I went to high school in small town Saskatchewan, you know, and just like everybody else, we all love our Bruce Lee movies, and and <laughs> unless we're fortunate enough to be in a center where they actually taught karate or something, um, you were lucky. But uh, that wasn't the case when I was a teenager, and plus, my mom would have never let me have done any of that kind of stuff. But so as soon as I got out, yeah, you know, got out of the house and moved <laughs> and were unsupervised. I, yeah, yeah, I started. Uh, started my uh, my training in the martial arts and kind of became um, kind of a jack of all trades kind of a, a martial artist and thing and I really fell in love with uh, I think wushu was the first thing that I ever fell in love with because that really makes you understand uh, uh, the physical movement and the aesthetic of the art and and just how how um, you know how mm -hmm. 
wonderful though you know the human form is moving through and the expression of it and forms yeah yeah and all, all of these really esoteric weapons that are really cool that you know uh, <laughs> uh become really D &D familiar kind of when, weapons when, when, yeah when you're choosing weapons in D D and all of that kind of a thing so um yeah uh, my my practical martial arts background kind of morphed into um, an association with uh, Fight Directors Canada here. Um, Jonathan and I actually went up to Edmonton and worked with JP Fournier back and I think, well, oh, what cool. was Jonathan about? And like, geez, how long ago was, was that? Well, that would have been about 1993, 1994, I think. Yeah, right? something like that. Maybe yeah, a little like, earlier, maybe 92. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did our first uh, workshop with JP, and we did uh, for our test fight. We did rapier and dagger, and we did the uh, the Macbeth Macduff scene, uh, and uh, it was it was just super cool. Hey, okay, so, I have yeah, to I, and, run around the studio three times because you said that word. <laughs> Not in the theater. You're good, Norm. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, so I I just uh, kept on going through my training and all of that and, and uh, became uh, a certified fight choreographer. And I actually teach um, stage combat at the uh, the Department of Drama now. Um, That's awesome. Which, which is really, really great fun. I mean, um, getting three credits for learning how to sword fight. I mean, how could that not? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, last but not least. Plus for your accounting degree. Yeah, exactly. With a stage combat on the side. <laughs> so um, you just heard the voice of uh, Tim Tyler, and uh, I remember to the moment, the first time that I met you was when uh, we did the Fringe Theatre Festival in Saskatoon, and uh, Jonathan and myself and some other actors collaborated and wrote yes. a piece called Making Plans for Nigel, and yes. uh, you had just come back from the University of Kentucky with a... with a Carolina. Carolina, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, ah! <laughs> and uh, with a, with a theater lighting um, uh, background, diploma degree. And yeah. Uh, yeah, you were our theater tech. And immediately it was, I think the moment you just started laughing at a, at a, like a, uh, like a sideways joke that one of us said, I kind of thought, yeah, you're going to fit in perfect. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I really, rem I, I remember that uh, fondly, actually. That was like a great uh, experience uh, to have during that French festival because it really did connect me into the Saskatoon community in a way that's like really, I love the way that it's resonated back to, to even this moment. There's just a lot of people that I got to connect to through that that particular moment. Now, I didn't, I've never known this. Are you a Saskatoon boy? Or are you from outside of Saskatoon? I'm from Saskatoon. Okay. My parents, I went to Aiden Bowman. Well, that's a and, theater uh, school, isn't it? Yeah, it's like when I was in at Bowman, I would go and I'd read Theater Crafts magazine. And I was <laughs> Who like- Who that in high school? Yeah, what is a magazine? Yeah, read a magazine, <laughs> yeah. I went and I, went and I was like, I looked at the schools that were advertising in Theater Crafts Oh, and I tried to find the one that was the furthest south <laughs> and the most economical price that had the best looking theater designs. And uh, I ended up in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, I ended up coming back here and I've oh, kind of- barbecue gone, country. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautifully weird and <laughs> alien and a lot more- Well, it's like got a deep history, one. doesn't it? Yeah, lots of deep history in the yeah. heart of the South. And what are you doing 
present day now because none of us actually gave up on our on our little wish to have a, a career in uh, in something creative. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I left school in the states, I really was. I'm not buying into the kind of American theater system, which is where you just kind of become part of like a big kind of corporate process. And I, when I was a kid, I was really inspired by the way that, you know, you could work in a theater and have a small group of people and really bring, make a reality Mm -hmm. come together in with dramatic story. And I was finding that in, the machine, the big American view of that didn't jive with what I thought. So I came back here and, and, you know, I dabbled around uh, doing a bunch of stuff um, locally, but it wasn't until I started working for an animation company that I was able to get a job painting cells. So because of my experience with uh, color theory, they brought me on painting cells. And from there I went into, uh, editing putting animation together so combining that with music and sound effects and bringing all of the digital sides of it so i've kind of been like an animation tech but then i had the brilliant idea one day of like telling somebody what to do and uh you know that you know i twitches the brilliant idea of 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 collaborating with somebody who can draw way better than me. And that kind of began this whole journey into animation. And so, you know, I've always been a guy who um, puts things together, puts the polish on it, helps the, I like to be between the art and the viewer. I like to be that guy who's massaging the experience. You're the corpus colossum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that guy that's like that ether, yeah. um, you know, so we, I have my own animation company now and we produce original shows. So we're, we've oh, say it. tell, tell us what it is. Cheshire, Cheshire Smile Animation. We've got a show that's going to be starting on City Saskatchewan here right away that we did called Robotic, which is a, basically it's like a procedural medical drama for preschoolers. It's a, it's a show where there's a little robot and every episode there's a robot that is messed up in some way and comes and sees Becca and, uh, and they kind of fix, fix them. So that's, that's kind of what I do. So I'm always really more involved in what I really, what my kind of uh, passion is, is the creative process over, over Christmas, over the last two months, we've just been workshopping scripts for a new series and just working with writers and artists Mm -hmm. to develop the material that will hopefully maybe one day make it to this. Yeah, exactly. So I really love that process of, of getting excited and curious about something and then taking that whole journey to the other end of it, which is where it ends up on screen. And it's part of what I love about D&D because it's like that great opportunity to um, explore the creative process in the theater of the mind. Mm -hmm. And it's like exciting. Like this journey um, for me with getting involved in this group has been so great because A, it's been really invigorating for my mental health. Like I think that there's (laughs) actually in this last year, this has probably done more for my mental health than a lot of other things, but more importantly, even just creatively, like 
I just some nights I just get so wound up like there was one night we thought that we were all gonna die. <laughs> we just ran into we just we we're just getting shit kicked, <laughs> and it was brutal. And I had to go sit in my hot tub under the stars <laughs> before my wife would let me back into bed because just, I was like, yeah, come down, me. yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's <laughs> let, let's. Let's use that as a transition point, because um, now that everyone uh, uh, has got a good sense of, of who's at the mic, um, uh, yeah, we're, okay, so we all play D&D. Like, there's so many other RPGs out there. I, I mean, I could go into a little, you know, top list of ones, but our, we've gravitated to um, D&D because of our background, um, and I think we've all mentioned that we've played before. Um, so yeah, this new fifth edition, um, like we'll go around, we'll just open it up. Whoever wants to say something, but, um, what are you guys thinking about this new, new D and D evolution, this game? Um, and you, you started it, Tim, by saying this idea of, uh, of collaboratively, you know, putting a story together that, that has this emotional empathetic um beat to it um i think he's johnny i think he's referring to that time where uh, we uh, you guys ended up carving out one of your characters uh demonically possessed eyes is that yeah the- like that was insane <laughs> yeah yeah and that was that was such a fun example of like you know commitment to role playing because you know like my character had a, an eye that he realized warlock is, you know that so as a player i realized that, that, that my warlock character had, had a, an, an eye and, and and you know you'd been hinting as a dm you had been hinting that something's going on and i'm having these weird visions and thoughts and 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 other voices uh and it sort of came to pass where, where we realized i realized that the that this eye that i had received at the moment of transition to when i became a warlock i had this you know so, so it was interesting created this character <laughs> journey and the backstory was that you know i'd gotten into a bar fight somebody punched yeah. me in the head my knocked the eye out of my head and almost killed me and 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 the patron you know came and and spoke to me in my in my you know pre in lucidity yeah in, in in the yeah in the state of of, of subconscious and said do you want to live and be more powerful than you've ever been before <laughs> or, or, or do you or, or or do you you know or, or not and i'm going and and do you want to see more things than you've ever you know see or you want to lose your sight and possibly die yeah. he's like well i'll live sure you know and so anyway that that's the moment he came back and he you know became my patron to become a warlock and I had these new abilities and it was a character with high charisma already that's you know made it all it all came together as a story but yeah. the, the sacrifice had been made at that time that I the giveaway that the character had done was to give away you know to, to dedicate himself to a patron who he didn't know who the heck this uh, patron was good bad evil you know whatever and so it was the pinnacle of that moment where as a group we're out in the middle of and uh, you know of the adventure, and this eye is making me do strange things, and suddenly, and I can't remember what what was it that, that it was we, the gl- as the glyphs on on the uh, no, on the we portals. Were, we had defeated. We had defeated, uh, we had defeated some. Uh, we had been sucked away to another realm where we had been victorious. A fallen we, paladin. When we, yeah, when we came back from that realm. Uh, uh, we were going to destroy the glyphs. And, was, and it was made out of shardland too. Yeah, that was right. Yeah. And was, so in the shardland, which was, I was very, my character was very attracted to uh, and, and was, was feeling the power of. It was your tuning feeling, fork. And so, yeah, totally. So uh, yeah, it was interesting. So in that moment, the character had realized the eye was possessed and, and that he, there was a battle of, the, of, 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 of which way to go. And in a moment of lucidity, looked over at 
at the sort of uh, the, the rogue character and said, take this eye out of my head. You, you started behaving really erratically, and it's like, what's were you guys? Like, we're, nor, we're the two of you guys communicating oh, he's all of a sudden really evil. <laughs> no, so, yeah, so just keyed in on, on this kind of this possession a- aspect, and uh, and my um, my rogue character, who is a, a, of course the uh, uh, the knife expert. Um, <laughs> takes out the knife and then just goes and, and gouges the eye right out of his head. And did, and, you, uh, did, you, did I ask you to do a dexterity roll and you rolled like a four? And I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, you popped really it out know. and it's just it hanging there It wasn't a now. precision job at all. <laughs> I had a bit of a mess in my face. Yeah. A lot of screaming, yeah. But, no, it, like, uh, but it got the job done, you know, and, and then all of a sudden this eye is like vibrating on the ground. and Oh, yeah, and it was spinning around trying to look at people, yeah. Complaining and, and I believe what, yeah. Tim, did, didn't, and then, you, uh, yeah, didn't your dwarf then just like stomp <laughs> on you? <laughs> okay, so I want to bring up a point here because um, we're uh, as as far as um, the the story goes, we're doing a, a pre-written campaign, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which is a D and D. Uh, um, uh, campaign that was was put out, and of course, because it's all about the the minus cold temperatures. We live in Saskatchewan, where I thought, hey, this is just like your car breaking down outside of town for us. It's just, you know, I mean, we get it. I, that was no, the one thing, the thought when I joined the campaign, Norm. I was like, Norm, like nice role playing. Yeah, yeah. way to stretch <laughs> out creatively. It's out, it's the out, the back, yeah, out my window. Yeah. I'm looking at it. But um, what we, the moment that you guys just described was not, it's not, that wasn't even part of the campaign. And it was a product of like, like Johnny, what you said with your character's backstory, me as a DM, knowing that trying to weave it into these smaller, you know, arcs within this grand arc. And um, I, I was just following your lead uh, most of that time and uh, reacting to you guys contributing to this story. And I think I was just as riveted and amped up about, you know, okay, what's going on? And, and, and like when you said, carve this out of me, and I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at the screen going, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, well, let's I see this happen. I saw this incredible meme that really kind of sums it up. And it was like how I remember D&D last night. And it's like this really <laughs> epic photo of just this incredible world and just, you know, these epic vistas and all this stuff. And then there's like what it actually looked like. And it's just, you know, like little Lego guys <laughs> on a little graph paper, <laughs> just like X's and O's and like just a marked out thing. And it's like, it's, it's the power of that. You know, it gets back to theater in some ways. Like, I really think that it's all about willing suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. It's always about willing suspension of disbelief. Because and willing- once you've suspended that and you're in, it's it's there. Yeah. And willingness to sort of adventure in creatively to the story, you know, and, and like throw in and take some risks uh, creatively to sort to make it make it more interesting. Or, in a, you know, uh, back to your question a little bit, Normie, about... Um, about the five E difference of five E yeah. combining the, what, what I'm finding really fun is 
that role-playing night, for example, was supported by two things, by the 5e uh, being more more flow, allowing more flow, more story flow, and more sort of more direct, um, the numbers just being easier to follow, as well as like this, uh, the D&D Beyond uh, site that we use, that we have our character pay, play, yeah. uh, character sheets on, that you can click on, in act, you know, for active dice rolls and it calculates most it does a pretty good job I mean, there's some some glitches here and there but it does a pretty darn good job of 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 taking into consideration all your care you can build your character and yeah. you record it all into the sheet and that the the digital you know the digital world that we live in now in comparison to 99 1992 you know <laughs> that that makes it really fun and just it frees it up for you know you can just click to see what's going to happen in the logist in the in the numbers and then in, in the meantime we can just talk out the game in a, in 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 the world yeah. and so it allows more like we play and this group you know has been really fun playing so much more about really trying to represent the story of the character and let the story of the character come out yeah like a writer does for a book rather than trying to win the situation or beat the bad guy and that sort of stuff as a player yeah, and I really more. love the way that that D and D gives us structure because I remember on that night I had to actually look at my character and go, okay, what is alignment wise? I, I remember that. What 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 am I doing? What is the like? What am I actually? Yeah. What you know? What what, what do I care what about? Governs my character in this yeah. situation because yeah. there's the way that I feel about things, but it's also what you know, what governs, what are the goals of my character? What governs all of that, which was really fun and an exciting aspect of it. Yeah, Tim, I really enjoyed the way you played that too. And I remember that you were going, you know, I think Thorcum, you know, Thorcum is going like, no, this is nonsense. I can't, you, you screwed up, man. You've gone across a line and uh, I have to you're not you making, you, I can't trust you right now. Oh, that's right. You wouldn't have attacked him. Yeah, totally, Thorcum, totally. yeah. Yeah, Thorcum was like saying, "Back off, buddy! You're, 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 you're something wrong with you right now." And, and there I, was yeah. like a line because there had been this kind of collaboration that was kind of going. <laughs> the the two of them had been kind of covertly collaborating because Thorcum had this kind of dwarven craftsmanship kind of. He was really intrigued by the material and and, and then all this, but then there was just a point where boom it's like you went over the line and it just rubbed right up against his it's soldier your soldiering influence. background yeah everything it was like you fell out the line ian yeah, you've been quiet it's, man uh that's a yeah it's a, a really good uh um a really good point about um being true to the character and really immersing yourself in, in that world of imagination and that's one of the things that that i really really enjoy about the game is that is the way that that that, that they figured it out um, mathematically, because it's mm -hmm. uh, it's a game of, uh, of probabilities. So the way that it, it mirrors reality is is really really clever, you know. Because uh, as we're going through our material reality in in real life, you know, everything that kind of happens is uh, is a series of probabilities, and that and that's kind of you know the whole idea of having all of these different sided dices to be able to uh, to calculate what might happen and the, the you know the percentage of chance of, of of it happening and all of that so so the way the way that that, that it's designed that way to mirror reality i i've always really really liked that yeah. um because uh i i find not only is it um is, is it a really good mental exercise 
um, just for having fun with your friends in, in the context of an imaginary adventure. But I, I find um, I uh, go back to kind of like my martial arts and kind of yeah. tactical background and thing like that. It's a really, really good exercise for, uh, for mental imaging of, uh, of training for some sort of uh, like a potentially dangerous situation. And, and I realized that I realized that years and years ago, you know, as I was walking down a dark back alley, like back when we used to play in the nineties after, you know, while we were been playing for quite some time, you know, and, and as I'm walking down the back alley, I'm thinking D and D in my head, you know, I'm thinking of, <laughs> instead of a monster jumping out, I'm thinking of, okay, well, there might Bandits. be a guy there or whatever that's going to mug me. What am I going to do about it? You know? And, and it's like, okay, well, if that situation presents itself, then, uh, then, then we're at initiative right away. So I, and, perception from, check. And, from, yeah. and from the game, training it's like well who's got the best chance of winning the guy that has initiative first right <laughs> that wins it. no so all of these things really practically um are, are um are really really interesting for um I, I don't know a little bit of mental training for real life type situations as you well so it's not just we're out playing about life you like need to write the field guide <laughs> yeah. the field guide to day-to-day dnd yeah <laughs> um, yeah, uh, funny. It, it's funny too Ian, how you say that like sometimes you know you're going through through in a game and you play carefully you know you think oh what's my gonna character gonna do you generally play carefully all the time but once in a while you sort of like <laughs> just let go and go nah he's gonna he, he's a little bit feeling a little bit off the wall today and he, i'm just gonna walk in the room and the uh -huh. dm goes do you check for anything? Yeah. How are, are you, you opening the door? The room yeah, yeah, I just walk right in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I walk right in across the room and I go to the, go to pick up that. I go to take a drink out of that chalice over there. You take a drink of the chalice? Yes, I do. And then you see what happens. Sometimes you know if you're in that mood or your character's in that mood or something, and it, you know it's so it it, it 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 things happen. You know, according what I, to what you, what you contribute in the moment yourself. Just what like I remember connected to what Ian was saying, how the dice mechanically generate the options um, or the successes and failures. The outcomes, yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I, I, I'm more intrigued in what happens in the failures. And I'm going to come back to a moment with the monk. Um, who wanted to, I'm going to jump off this banister and bounce off this table to this table to jump on the banister. And I'm um, okay, you know, acrobatics or dexterity. I'll make a, a acrobatics check. And you rolled a four. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess you, uh, you was it you bludgeoned yourself in the ribs. Sure, with yeah, the, sure. and, and, and you basically flopped. You were like, I'm bound and determined to get to that other balcony. And you, it was like you flopped. And it, it was the funniest, like, Mr. Bean moment <laughs> in my head as you were trying. Mr. Yeah. Bean is a monk. <laughs> anyway, it's like it's like you landed on the top of the, instead of landing on the, uh, table he landed on the top of the chair and the, and the chair slipped out and bang 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 well, and, the, and you and you can't deny where that goes like you were saying johnny it's like hey this that's is what happens how do we react yeah the expression the dice don't lie is such a fun and true thing <laughs> yeah know? it sure is it's like it is, it's like in real life it is what it is you know things shit happens all that kind of stuff the dice the, the, the dice just tell you a story sometimes you go i try to do this and they go and you're all oh yeah oh, oh you that's what you're trying to say. yeah and then you roll a one you go of course i rolled one <laughs> <laughs> yeah
And Norm, you were talking about uh, back in the days of Thaco, and and uh, that's the one thing I really, really like about doing this on the computer uh, and and doing it with this particular program is because the program does all of the math for you. Like yeah. I remember back in the day, I'd have charts to figure out Thaco and everything <laughs> like that, right? Because you you know we'd be imbibing, you'd be counting you know, on your fingers, all like sorts ah. of. Stuff. Um, entertainment uh, aperitifs and stuff while we'd be playing as well, right? So uh -huh. doing simple math wasn't always like at the tip of the tongue. So, uh, so really, uh, I really, really like how uh, um, how the program figures out all the math for you, so it frees up your mind to be able to just uh, uh, be immersed in the adventure and not having to sort of sort of think about having to do the math. Uh, as such a major part of it as well you that's all taken care of for you and i really like that aspect of it what's what just popped up i think it's great like i love the the way that it the synergy of it like i love rolling and seeing what you know what else everybody else is rolling and go Ooh. <laughs> you, know, you get that reaction what i just noticed about our discussion is we haven't even talked about combat all we've talked about is the stories that we're creating, because back in when we played, it was all about getting into a fight. You know, it's like beating the crap out of a monster, finding the treasure, leveling up. And I don't think that's the uh, that's the prerogative, at least for no, the way we're approaching I, the game. I, yeah, no, I, I've never really looked at the game that way. I've I've always considered it, it to be like a really fun adventure that I'm having with a with a group of my really good friends. And, uh, and, uh, and approaching it like that, rather than going in with a, a really, um, how would you say, competitive aspect, mm -hmm. because uh, if you remember when, uh, um, when we went from our group and then we went to, to uh, another good friend of ours called Greg, and uh, Greg had been a dungeon master for a very, very long time, and, and he was just ruthless with oh, his yeah. monsters, and it was very much uh, uh, TPK. me and my monsters. Me and my monsters against you guys, you know, and, and, I, and I didn't really enjoy that that so much. Um, and that just kind of plays into uh, what a, a really good dungeon master is. And, and a really good dungeon master, in my opinion, is somebody who's a very, very good storyteller who can really flush out the adventure and uh, um, not necessarily be as as combative, but sort of somebody who facilitates the story more uh, rather than it's me against all of the uh, uh, the players kind of a thing, you know, and, and this is what, what's really important about finding a good dungeon master. And, and Norm, I got to hand it to you. you you've, um, you've, you've been a really great dungeon master oh. and you're a really great storyteller. So um, I'm really happy about that. Oh, dude, thank you, know, you I so wanted much. to hold up this caramel bar because at the end of the day, it's like the secret is how you get the caramel on the inside, right? And <laughs> it really is the secret Sponsorship. <laughs> totally. But it's like the, 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 it's that, the, it's, 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 it's understanding the story. It's understanding the characters, the gameplay mechanic, yeah. having a good sense of the gameplay mechanic, but also, you know, doing what you're being able to re respond to the needs. Like, you know, there's that moment that we came up with those thousand diamonds and all of a sudden, oh, yeah. it's like, boom, we're, we're on oh, it. 
Oh man, you guys made me work on that one. On a tangent. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> on a tangent. just, just to give, just to give everybody a little background. Um, it was in in one of the spires of the of the old ship, and there was an illusion spell that you could turn into reality. And you guys rolled. I think it was like really high, but not like to lock it in. And you had. I think was it 48 hours until it dispelled yeah, and we couldn't make we didn't we weren't able to make it truly real but it was real for yeah. a certain amount of and time you guys, and then- you guys were able to make you had uh, i think a 300 gp diamond and you guys were able to make what was the volume like five by five by five thousand three hundred yeah. gp diamonds and then you're like okay shopping spree let's go how can we get to because you guys were in the middle of the of the like wilderness in the yeah. like on a glacier just about and you realize okay where's the near how can we teleport to how can we get to somewhere to spend this and <laughs> it, to me it was like oh we are so off book right now <laughs> but, but it was great it was a great adventure yeah to that norm about and and you know about how you, you know you're not only uh, it's it's nice because you're not trying to tell a story that you want to be told you're trying to uh, help the story to come out that's that's being told by all of us in existing in the world together in the game right yeah. so when we throw something like that at you you go okay or when i throw you like take my eye out and, and you go <laughs> okay uh uh you, you you take that in and you you help the story to be to, to respond naturally so that the story so that we're all then contributing to the same thing or decide uh, what yeah, tool have, to apply to it. Yeah, yeah. You have your role to represent all the characters that we encounter, and we have our roles to represent, and that we're all, in a way, in support of each other, of each other, all telling the the best story we can with these characters that we've invented together. You know, it's really I, cool. I think and one thing, I, if I, I can jump in, like the thing that I think is really interesting about D and D as a game mechanic, and this is something that I've really been reflecting upon over this last year, because I, like you guys, used to play when I was young and haven't really played since like the 90s so it's been a long time since i've played and i think about it from the lens of designing story writing stories and creating stories that have arcs yet the non-linear aspect of it like it's not a linear story it's not a linear story there's a thread Um, somewhere somewhere it's a it's moving towards a a a whole but it's like how we we experience that 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 story in a non-linear way is really quite exciting Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's really cool. And I uh, I got to rat out my buddy Tim here because uh, <laughs> one of his characters is a monk, but Tim is also a yoga instructor <laughs> for a very long time. So he understands all of these internal processes very, really, really well. Oh, <laughs> you know, and that, that contributes that, that to... <laughs> to the next thing I want to talk about is um, now we've we've tap danced around this this what I'm going to present here um, is the magic circle that we've created because there was a moment where there, uh, one of us requested hey someone wants to join up and and immediately was like well, no what? <laughs> you know not not to sound rude but I, this is no this is this is our this is our happy place right so this idea of magic circle that allows that idea of I can do whatever without being judged. What do you guys think about that, that we've created? At least I I think there's something really solid that we've we've all put our our stamp on. Who wants to talk? Well, um, and there was a, 
you know, for me, I mean, I've been out in Vancouver and you guys are all in back in Saskatoon and you're the opportunity to sort of reconnect with you guys was huge for me. And just to sort of reconnect back to home in that way, um, you know, and this is my home now. I've made a home out here, mm-hmm. but to have, you know, connection back to to my close friends back there. Um, and uh, and then to and, and to know that we just come in the room and there's like whatever kind of day I've had, I'm having whatever as a person. Yeah none of that has to be presented yeah. in any, any, any sort of completed form. So the, just sort of that, that open, so it, to be able to come into the room when, and sometimes we just, we just talk for half an hour beforehand about whatever and how's life and this and that and the tough things. And we just talk really honestly and stuff and say, okay, let's play. And then we play, you know, and then sometimes, and then we'll take a break. There's no, there's like literally absolutely zero pressure at all to mm-hmm. perform as if you're out in the world. And that's really rare to find. Like, there's no, there's no, there's nothing, you know, I could, I could say the stupidest thing. I could say that I could, I could, I could just like completely screw up and melt down and say, look, and I'm, and just say some nonsense because I'm having a, the, the, I've had such a lot of, you know, I'm unload. Not that that happens all, you know, yeah. regularly, but I know just that the trust in that. So, that makes this you know, kind of a special, a special situation where I just trust you guys. And so if, if we wanted to have another group, if we wanted to like have someone else join or whatever, it has to be on that level of for this, for this particular magic group, you know, yeah. it'd have to be somebody that would, 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 would fit in that world. And it's rare. Um, so, you know, all D and D groups aren't going to obviously aren't going to be like that. And, yeah. and, you know, and I play with my brother and his, and his sons and their friends and stuff. And I'm more of a sort of a, I try to stay quiet and support their, their them doing their work and the players. So I'm not in there like being myself, but I'm, I'm more myself here with you guys than, you know, I'm completely myself here fully, you know, whatever, whatever I've got. If I, and if I go like something's come up, I got to go right now. You guys go, okay. There would be no, there's no explanation. Yeah, exactly. Then there was the one time that you went away and I totally butchered your role. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you rolled my charisma. So my, you, you took my charisma roll and, and lost the situation yeah. for us. Yeah. It's like, Just threw it, it in was, the toilet. Oh by the, oh, by the way, your character lost an arm. You know, and, and the thing is that that was my character at that time. You know, that my character was in your hands and that's what my character did, you know? It's like, it was awful. Uh, yeah. So I awesome, though. You know, like, it's interesting because, you know, like, you know, in television, they're always or in in the business that I'm in all the time. They're talking about, you know, how can you create authentic? How can you create authenticity or honesty for people to engage in 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 experience with? And that's exactly what we're talking about. It's it's having that connectivity as a group of individuals to just be authentic and uh yeah, for sure. And there's an, there's an aspect of it, which is maybe it's a little bit generational as, as well. Um, I have a 13 year old son and, and uh, he likes to video game. Uh, in fact, I, I got him a really cool monitor, like a really big, nice gaming monitor for Christmas and that so that, that he could play his games better. And uh 
Um, during the pandemic, that's been really great for him because he's been able to connect with, with his friends who don't live in Saskatoon and thing like that, um, because the, the kids are really being challenged with a COVID thing by not being face to face. Right. And this is something that I've really always really enjoyed ab about D&D. It's a face to face game. You know, even though we're doing it to, uh, uh, over Zoom, yeah. we're doing it face to face with each other. You know, it's not like we're playing Fortnite and we're a character, you know, uh, and, and we're. Avatar. We're interfacing with avatars because we're not we're not doing that. And, and that's sort of the action adventure with all of the graphics and stuff like that. Right. Um, it, this is this this game. It, it's it's all about interpersonal communications with the group and uh, and kind of like pooling our collective imaginations together um, in a room, whether the room is a real room with all of us in the room together or the or the Zoom room where we're in the room virtually, but we're not like playing something like Fortnite, you know, which has yeah. this kind of a disconnect um, that uh, um, D&D uh, D &D doesn't have. Uh, and I think that it's a more of a rich experience um, to play D&D with a group where you're sharing the, the imagination and you're, you're actually um, interfacing with each other uh, as human beings, I guess, if you will. You know? um, so it's just kind of interesting. I, I kind of see like, like um, the, it, yeah, I, I like playing Fortnite too. And my kid can kick my ass at it, like no problem at all. It, pretty much any any type of video game, he's way better than the, than me at it, right? But uh, but there's um, there's a difference in the richness of the game. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like reading a book where the story is in your imagination. Yeah. It's always more vivid than when you're watching it on television. <clears throat> cool. Yeah, that's hey, a good point. Um, uh, Tim, you, I want to transition uh, to this next uh, uh, topic, and, uh, and that'll kind of bring us to the end of this. But, um, Tim, you had mentioned before, too, uh, how important, um, I mean, Thursday night. It's, it's like I, it, stuff can happen, and someone will, you know, I, I teach uh, at high school, and one of the kids on Thursday, in my head, one of the kids might go, uh, what day is it? And in my head, I'm like, it's Thursday because it's D and D. I know when I wake up in the morning, I know what day it is because I'm I'm like wake so up primed, right? Um, my, my my phone yeah. is like vibrating for you know like probably 36 hours prior to Thursday. So <laughs> I want to I want us to quickly both uh, all of us touch on um, and you started this, Tim, on how this has impacted and benefited our mental health. And I'll start this up by saying, um, I had mentioned this on the podcast before with my son's uh, um, history, uh, health history, and how um, there's, I've, I've, I've learned in the last 10 years how to um, appreciate the now, live in the, like absorb every second of the now. Um, and, uh, what I found for this Thursday night with you guys, um, how it's like you mentioned mental health. And I mean, uh, uh, I'm so glad that we're in a, we're in a time now where where us big, tough men can talk about mental health and talk about how we have bad days. And we, we, we some days we get amped up and we're all panicky and anxious and stressed and and how and John, Jonathan, you alluded to this, too. It's like. This to me, this is a zone where I can I have I have no problems being me 
without being judged or without being, you know, critiqued by anybody. And it's just, it's, it's like, it's like a therapeutic session for me. And I think through the creativity that we all put together, it recharges my batteries every time. Right. So yeah, I, I, I so I, I appreciate you guys for um, what you, what you contribute to, to, uh, the 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 well-being of uh of my of my weekly time so yeah touch on that who wants to who wants to who wants to pop up on that one johnny i see you wanting to talk go ahead yeah yeah you're right there's there's just things like you know i remember growing up and thinking oh i've got like i used to just love going to certain sport teams practice like i love playing yeah. basketball i love playing volleyball and and like through the day i'd be thinking about that's oh, volleyball after school today i'm gonna get to play basketball I'm going to go shoot. I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to go, well, we're going to go do this. And it's been a while since I sort of felt that childish anticipation <laughs> and joy of, of like an event coming. And it's just been like that this whole year for our game. We've figured out, our, we've got our Thursdays figured out. We you know, figured out logistics and we settled it in. And then it's a thing now. It's it, it, it happens on Thursdays, except for once in a while it doesn't. And we usually find another day in that week to make the Thursday happen. And then um, we but, usually add another one just to keep up because we missed one. Yeah. Oh, we kind of missed one. We should have another Let's one. Let's do but, one on Sunday. Yeah. But the level of that is it's about it's about play. You know, it's a it's about the the, the excitement to, to get to play and to get to play get to in play a, with a my space friends. where it's all fun. It's all yeah. fun. Like no, no no matter what happens to the group, if we have a nobody loses. Like, everybody, you know, one of our, you know, you know, God forget. I'm not gonna say it. One of the character dies is there anything like that? Yeah. That's not oh, gonna yeah. <laughs> No, just to, just uh, to yeah, mention, but, we are playing Tomb of Annihilation as well. So, uh, yeah, well, we could, yeah. Yeah, you keep Go ahead. talking about somebody's <laughs> going to die. We, we, yeah. Anyway, but we're, we have each other, so we'll get through it. Yeah. But just the, 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 the level of this uh, playful level of, of, of the childish, like, excitement to just do that thing that you can't wait. Okay, is, is it, you know, you, you wait till the end of the day at school. Wait till the week, you know, wait. Everybody's working for the weekend. We're all working for Thursday, you know. Oh, like, yeah. And it's just so nice to have that that pure, just at the core childhood um, center, the, the inner child that we all like try to connect to, you know, we've really connected to it with you guys, you know, with this group. And yeah. we go, so that just, it feeds you all week. It, My, feeds you, it, feeds you, it feeds you all week. And we all like have like, you know, full, you know, responsibility filled grown up lives and families that we love and care for. And people that we, 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 you know, work with uh, in, in doing, you know, all these creative and awesome projects and stuff like that, all that, all that stuff and, and all the, the, the surviving in the world of COVID and the world mm -hmm. of everything and the, you know, making enough money to pay for the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and then, it, and then there's that seed, Stops that beautiful seed of like, this is, I can't wait till Thursday when we get Thursday. And it just stays there and it's always there and it feeds joy to the rest of the week all the time. And there's something like that, you know, it's pretty rare. It's pretty oh, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Ian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I just got to say that I always look forward to Thursday coming now. And when try, people try to book me on Thursday, it's like, no, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> My Thursdays are kind of like off limits for everything. <laughs> nice. kind of and um, yeah, it's um, it, it's uh, it, it's something that I look forward to, and I I you know I enjoyed D and D back in the nineties, and I'm I'm actually enjoying it more now. Oh, uh, cool! I, I don't know why. Um, 
I, part of it is the group dynamic. Uh, part of it is the ease of the program and that sort of a thing. But, um, but yeah, uh, Thursdays are really great. And, and when we're, when we're not able to meet on Thursdays to play D and D, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> okay, Tim, you, you're the one who, uh, opened it up, uh, in the intro, um, close it up with, with, uh, I mean, you're with your yoga background and the whole idea about what? about about equilibrium and about zone and finding your center. I mean, yeah, well, I you're, think that it's you know, like there's a lot to be said from a lot of different perspectives of it. Like, and it really is. And I, you know, to go to what Ian was saying is that I think that I enjoy D and D more now because I'm actually more capable of being in the moment now. Like when I was young, when I was a young guy in my 20s and we'd be, you know, all hanging out, just having these crazy, you know, you know, there's always a certain amount of facade that went around with in in those kinds of environments. And there's none of that here where it's just in the moment of story. And I there's a lot of benefit for that. And it's been really it's been really good for me creatively to uh, dial into other lines of thinking that are completely uh, not, have nothing to do with any of the other things that I'm doing in my life. But more importantly, it's like there's a real range of emotions and experiences that we're practicing and living. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, just a couple of weeks ago when, when Caladora, man, she almost died fighting those, those zombies. And I was like, seriously, uh, going, Oh my God. I like this, could be this it. character. I've written this whole backstory and she's going to die like right off the bat. This and I was like really emotionally involved. And really, it's just it's like, there's like, Oh yeah, I'm having fun, but really I'm not having fun. You guys need to step in. And so it's guys. This is how it's going to end with zombies. <laughs> so I think that experience of emotion is really good and cathartic for us. Oh. In these circumstances, you get to release. Yeah, Johnny, you were. You were yeah, just the, just the, the 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 theater of the mind that you mentioned earlier on, Tim, and and the stories that you, Norma, you asked about. You know, the scene when my eye, got, the, the my character's eye got pulled out, and 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 the monk, you know, j- fell, j- tried to jump off the balcony, <laughs> and the, and the different things. I see all of that as yeah. a story that happened that I r- recall and that that you can't beat that for um the, for cre- creative um development of the creative mind to be able to create a story in your mind like that when you said Ian about the uh about like you know reading a book and then you create it in your mind is always always superior to what the, whatever they can put on the screen no matter how awesome it is mm-hmm. and that's this this game this game just sort of calls you to the to to the creative carpet there and says say look oh, at sure. you know you know invent the world in your mind and talk about it and explain it and if you're not clear on it ask a question and then the DM will say well it's like this and this and so you know sometimes you have to draw a picture but generally yeah you got to create yeah. it in your mind and envision yeah. it. And then it's there and it'll always be there in your memory. And it'll be different for everybody. Yeah. You're, yeah. Making, you're making these tangible memories that you're creating in real time in the adventure and you're creating yeah. the adventure as you go. So that, that just uh, makes it so exciting as well. But yeah, the way that you Im- Im- embed these memories as um uh, as real memories that you know you carry around it's with you. Real. It's real. It's and it's cathartic. It has that whole that whole realm 
And here it's like, you know, from, you know, COVID lockdown, we're experiencing this incredible travel and vibrancy and culture and, and creativity. And that idea from, of <coughs> expressively releasing emotion. All from this. Yeah, all from a D20. <laughs> Um, this is an awesome part, a point to wrap this up because, uh, I mean, I, I know us, we could keep talking um, about this uh, and maybe we'll come back and do a part two. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, to, I guess to, to, to wind this all down, um, uh, I think uh, as, a, as, a, as a doctor would prescribe something for somebody, uh, I think everybody needs at least one D&D session a month. And, uh, and uh, get, get some, for some good mental health and get the, the creative juices and the problem solving and everything and that whole being a part of, of, of what's going on around you. Um, I'd like to once again thank uh, Jonathan, Ian and Tim for sitting in. Yay, I got to have you guys on a podcast. Um, thank you, guys. You're welcome, man. Don't yeah. roll a one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you guys love it when I suck as a dice roller. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, super fun, Norm. Ah, that was so much fun. Well, we're at that part of the show where I like to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm your host, Norm, and we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.